Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karam. Today we're going to be talking about principles of the immune system. And if you've been tracking along thus far, we've talked about four immune, uh, four systems in general. We talked about the nervous system, the endocrine system, the cardiovascular system, and then now we're talking about the immune system. Little snapshot of what this is going to be about. It comes back again to this effect of duality that we talked about in our second nutrition module. Yin and yang, what goes up must go down. So how do we manage stress within the body to have a robust immune system? This is going to be a really, really dense and I think challenging module. So get on the website, check out all the all the graphics and all the other suggested resources and all the things I'm putting on the forum because this is going to be something that's going to take a while to unpack. All right, if you didn't know, we've completely updated our entire website so we can look at the curriculum in a different way. It's more course-like, so you have the modules broken up into individual lessons that you can go through, stop and start when you want, show your progress, and then we put a little journal aspect so you can kind of record notes that you learn from that actual module. Also, Strength Deficit is available for order. That's coming out here very shortly, so that should be coming to you soon if you've already purchased it. Appreciate everyone has bought that. This is your ability to leverage eccentric versus concentric ratios to peak for a certain certain event or a certain sport. This is going to be a seminal resource for you as a coach to be able to use a certain model to peak for a certain quality that you think is going to be advantageous for that athlete. Strength Deficit, leveraging eccentric versus concentric ratios available for order at ph podcast as well as realize.me this is your command center for all health and data performance this is what i use to track all of my progress i use it with my clients i use it with my coaches it's just so hard to not have your self overwhelmed by all the data that you can collect and what to do with that data this is going to be a really good resource for you the coach to be able to help just triangulate all the stuff that you want to do as a coach to track all this stuff and making a dashboard and command center for you to to just use this information properly also i have a four-part blog series on realize.me first one's already out it's called data silos each week we're going to release another one it's going to help you as a coach to be able to understand why this is a value for you realize.me your command center for data and health performance without further ado let's hit this immune system principles and then make sure you guys check out the module on the website because it's definitely going to be needed to understand process and really break down all the stuff that we're trying to go through in this specific module in general. So we're coming back into our final system that we were breaking down for nutrition. And just for context, we've talked about the central nervous system. We've talked about the endocrine system. And now we're going to talk about in the cardiovascular system. And then now we're going to talk about the immune system. So as we start to dive into this, one thing I want everyone to be very aware of is I'm not, I'm not a clinical doctor and I am not clinically trained to diagnose or prescribe. So this is gonna go off a different perspective. Um, so when we look at the immune system, it's 100% centered on how do we function our with our immune system to guide and govern our training, you know, and. I think this is a healthy perspective considering that my scope ties into training and performance. And most of us who are probably listening to this probably are in that same boat. And the thing that it hopefully does for you is elicits confidence to understand something like the immune system, but also appreciate that there is a, a limit or a scope that you have to work within because you are not clinically trained to diagnose or prescribe. 
Now, what does that mean for you in terms of your ability to help others? In fact, it means a great deal. It means an incredible level to help and develop athletes and your clients just without the context of diagnosing some sort of pathology or prescribing some sort of intervention based off of that. But one thing that you need to be conscious of is if we're trying to make people run faster or jump higher or improve their body composition, if they get sick, they're going to be in a very compromised state. They are not going to be able to get there as linearly or as effectively as we would like. So having an appreciation for the immune system in general to elicit better training outcomes is just a foundational thing. You know, and as you start to break down and start to look further and further into all these systems from the central nervous system, and we talked about the parasympathetic and sympathetic and looking at the interplay between yin and yang, you know, we talked about in the endocrine system and looking at hormonal, catabolic and anabolic hormones. We talked about the cardiovascular system as, you know, essentially just the interplay of of the heart, the lungs, the vascular system and now we're on to the immune system and all of these things are easily their own disciplines of medicine right you know you have cardiologists and you have endocrinologists and you have you know, neurospecialists and then you have people who just focus on immune immune function or immune systems and appreciate that people spend decades only focusing on this one area with all you're trying to do is just have some sort of baseline perspective on is this going to limit my ability to go through a high level protocol? What do I need to change from a nutritional or health standpoint or a stress management standpoint to prepare our, our clients and athletes? What do I need to be conscious of for high stress periods like finals or the postseason or things that are generally going to have an adverse amount of stress on our system? And what can I do to help support that at a high level? You know, and as we start to break down our roles, relatively speaking to this, you know, we're not going to get credit for preventing someone getting sick, but we will get credit for someone reaching a goal or optimizing their performance. And a large part goes into preventing things that are going to be deterrent to that. Right. So as you start to go through this module specifically, and you're trying to unpack, you know, all the things that immune system really is, you know, uh, keep that perspective in the back of your mind that, you know, there's, there's plenty of plenty of good resources out there for you, the coach, to go into and dive a little further in immune system function. But the other aspect is, you know, giving you permission to just focus on the major thing that is getting people to functional targets that we've all agreed upon is our, our job. And not having to worry about area to areas, right? And this is another big issue with, I see a lot with people who are dealing with people with pain and people who have some sort of orthopedic issue, whether it's tendinopathies or just compressive light related things like impingement. As a strength coach, you don't need to diagnose or prescribe. In fact, it's probably not in your best interest, right? Because you don't have a certain MRI or X-ray technology um, you're not clinically trained to diagnose or or find some sort of issue. All you can do is really just work around it. And you can find different exercises and different methods to 
to optimize while that person's working through whatever injury injury repair cycle they're going through. And the thing that you can do as a coach while that person is going through that pain and hopefully seeing a medical professional is find really good solutions to help them on the way towards their goal without directly trying to intervene on that area. You know, the the idea is, again, there's athletic trainers, physical therapists, orthopedics, and those folks are clinically trained to work with people who are in pain. And that's their goal. And that's their job. And as you start to traverse and really try to understand what your role is, it's to help them stay in line with their goal while they still have to work through some stuff. Because there's never going to there's never going to be such thing as a perfect perfect training plan, right? There's always going to be some sort of intervening factor that's going to block or limit you from getting to that in a most linear fashion, right? From whether it's psychological, physical, or emotional stress, or it's going to be some sort of direct intervention that's going to block what we're trying to get to, whether it's someone getting sick or someone getting hurt. You have to learn, how do I limit that, right? So how do I write programs that obviously don't cause or provoke pain? And then how do I write programs that don't cause or provoke people getting sick, right? And sometimes there's a badge of honor with people getting sick from your program of, our program's really challenging, you know? And uh, for the most of us, we're not working with people who are professional professional trainees. They only have to focus on training. So you have to be very conscious of the fact that, you know, hey, they're, they're, they're reliant on this to help them function there in their world. You know, getting sick or getting hurt is a big, big deterrent to them, hopefully living an optimized lifestyle. But going now into immune system and hopefully all that you know, preamble is, makes sense and is helpful. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll I'll talk a lot more about that in our in our actual case study of you know my, what I look at in season. My role really is is mitigating immune immunocompromised states and understanding where the big red flags are. Um, but what we look at with the immune system is really just trying to figure out how our body defends ourselves against outside invaders, whether it's viruses or some sort of bacteria that we need to really understand is infinite and and unpreventable, you know, all we can do is improve our body's capacity to handle that, you know, and, you know, one of the bigger markers for this, and this is a very simplistic view is, and going back into this, you know, simple aspect of looking at the endocrine system, you know, the, the functional outcome of anabolic versus catabolic, again, if someone wants to gain weight, they should be in an anabolic state and someone needs to be, wants to lose weight or a catabolic state. You know, looking at the immune system is if we're preserving or building muscle mass, that means we're not prioritizing something in terms of the injury repair cycle or the the immunocompromised cycle, right? This like we have some sort of outside invader, body creates immune response, body's trying to create some sort of natural immunity to it, and that's their focal point, right? You know, just like when we're digesting food, blood gets shunted to the GI tract. It's when we have some sort of factor like injury, pain, disease, virus, we have to prioritize that. So in the advent of keeping things extremely simple, it's 
if we're building muscle or maintaining muscle, we're not doing something else. By So by addition, by subtraction, if we just look at this from a very obvious standpoint, generally speaking, when someone's building muscle, they're not sick and they're not in pain. The Occam's razor we talked about in coaching, right? This idea of the most simple, most logical explanation for something is probably the most accurate, right? The absence of of health is again the absence of disease or pain so if we can say that we're building muscle we're healthy so what a great marker or a great litmus for us right and we can easily track that as a coach right we can do a body composition and we can take their body mass and we can multiply their body comp or the body body fat percentage by the body mass and we can get their lean muscle mass and fat mass and if we're building muscle relatively speaking through our training we can probably say with some level of certainty that we're at least not sick or not in pain, at least not to a degree that's deterring what we're trying to do from training. That if we're building muscle and burning fat, that we're probably moving in the net positive direction. So one of the things that we'll talk about with this is this interaction between the body and the outside world. And, you know, as we start to look at what we need to do to build muscle, we're going to expose the body to stress uh, through training. And then the other part is we're going to have to be in a caloric, probably surplus, and then having some sort of challenging digestive foods from animal proteins to, to high carbohydrate foods to even certain levels of fat. And we're not limiting food intake because we are needed to build new proteins or new body body proteins and we need to be in a surplus of food and that's going to cause more interaction with the outside environment but coming into this idea of like how do we how do we single out and say we're doing a good job training there is actually a indicator of this and again i talked about this this would be the big premise of the case study is this idea that that if we can make it through a competitive season or make it through training and off season without getting sick, we're probably going to net better. And uh, an author uh, by the name of Martinson looked at the what he called the J curve uh, that occurs with exercise. And we've talked about a bell curve before within our coaching modules, but this like disparate, dis, this basically this. How do we break down how many people respond or don't respond to certain things, right? And this is a very similar thing. So you take a group of sedentary people and you put them through exercise and their vulnerability is what to to being sick, right? And what the, the study really centered on is when we take people who are doing nothing, their chances of getting sick are pretty pretty normal to high right so if we have a five out of uh, zero to ten chance of getting sick they're at a five people who exercise in a very sustainable method so what we call what martinson called moderate so let's just say three times a week plus some activities of daily living their their chances of getting sick were low extremely low so we're looking at a two out of ten people who over exercise and do extreme bouts of exercise, their chances of sick getting sick are actually higher than they would if they were sedentary. And that goes into this, what he called a J curve of this idea that there's like, 
this balancing of there is effect of too little and too much. If you do nothing, you're gonna get, probably get sick more about half the time. If you do too much, you get sick a lot. And this goes into, again, this idea of the difference between the antidote and the poison is the amount. And we've talked about this concept before, but this, this general idea of hormesis is that we need to understand the appropriate dose-response relationship. And there's a genetic component to this. There's a there's an environmental component to this. There's a, out, a cumulative stress component to this that we need to be able to understand and interpret. And that's why I put so much stock into tracking. That's why I put so much stock into uh, understanding how the body's responding over time to certain stress. Um, but the idea of hormesis is really centered off of Hans Selle's general adaptation syndrome, right? So we can look at the three phases of alarm, reaction, exhaustion, right? The alarm's the initial act reaction to what's happening. Resistance, body develops some sort of natural uh, immunity to it or some sort of um, adaptation that creates a better and more advantageous response later. And then over time, if that, if that stressor is too great too long, we lead into this exhaustion phase and that's when we start to look at people getting sick. And you know, one of the things that we've talked about with injuries is that once it reaches this pain point, that's this manifestation of chaos occurring within the body, right? That we have demand to surpass capacity. And the same thing could be said about getting sick. It's demand to surpass capacity, right? That we have now reached a state of chaos that the body is no longer capable of handling the stressors that we placed on it, whether it was from a direct dose response and exercise or being in high stressful environments and combining that with exercise is that now we are going to prematurely hit this quote-unquote exhaustion phase and hermesis is going to manifest itself into now it's a poison because the, the amount is too great for us to be able to either recover from or was be able to handle in the first place but that's a central theme here if we're going to understand anything from this module it's the fact that there is a point of diminishing returns, right? That's actually a principle in training, that we have this critical drop-off point that we need to have some sort of indicator that what we're doing is no longer effective and we need to make a decision at that given point. Do we stop what we're doing? Do we do less or do we do something else? These are really, really challenging things that we're gonna face all the time as a coach. And young coaches, I don't want to get on a pedestal and say this, but just that experience of knowing that there's a there's a damaging effect from doing too much and you're probably better served doing a lot less than than too much over time. And I I I know I probably give Coach Boyle, you know, a ton of shout outs and a lot of credit, but you know, he has this amazing amazing like trajectory of a coach, right? It's the trainee, uh, it's they're aggressive with their own training they parlay that up to their own athletes they get hurt and then they start to you know try to rehab themselves or prehab themselves and then they start to associate their training with that and then they get hurt again and then they become either sedentary or extremely quote-unquote functional coach right this this manifestation over time of learning through trial and error and learning the hard way is that maturity comes when we start to realize that there's probably going to be a lot of lessons, hard lessons that we're going to have to experience ourselves before we really appreciate the cause and effect relationship from doing exercise with people. And 
the responsibility that goes into it. Like it's it's just it's a huge, huge amount of responsibility that most people will never really fully appreciate until something goes wrong. Someone gets sick, someone gets hurt, and do you walking around just prescribing exercises and sets and reps and certain days a week of training is going to lead to what you think the most linear, fastest path to getting someone where they want to go. On the other end, it's probably going to put them in adverse amounts of risk for them to get hurt. And I run into this on a daily basis within my my setup, my my practice. It's I, I see a lot of people who are either disenfranchised with exercise because they were pushed too hard too early, or they now associate that that's the only way to train and they struggle with the more simplified, distilled, reduced version of what they think is the utmost amount of stress someone should be able to tolerate. And you know, there's a, there's a responsibility in that to have comfort and confidence in and what I'm doing and a plan I have based off of fundamental principles to be able to go to that person and say, I can always add, but it's going to be really hard to subtract. And you as a young coach looking through what is the hardest thing I could do with someone is a great place to see where you could potentially be. You're better served to do the thing that looks so easy and say, okay, well, I know that's too little. And that takes time and that takes confidence to be able to do. It's better to say that was too easy than it was too hard because usually when it's too hard, people are going to get sick or hurt. And that's a really important thing to finish. So one of the things that we look at is how do we control really our our response to the stress? And I think that's the biggest premise for the immune system here is how do we control this stress and how do we manage that stress at the best possible level we can we can do, right? And that this is something that that as we start to look at what we can do here, there is a whole whole element of things that are under our control that we should appreciate, right? And as we start to break down what to do with our folks and our clients and athletes, it's 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 that. It's what can I control? And if I want to do something really high level or really stressful, well, I got to figure out between that and this, what can I actually control in this given moment? And that's the first step here. So one of the things that we talked about with the three other systems here between the nervous system, it's managing that parasympathetic to sympathetic ratio, right? We can talk talk about that a lot in this actual module because the, all these systems are interconnected. But the nervous system and this parasympathetic rest and digest is the immune system. You know, we talk about it with the endocrine system between this interplay between catabolic and anabolic hormones. It's this idea of hormones and immune markers are intimately related, right? Testosterone goes down and we have immunocompromised states, right? We don't want to build. We want to get rid of whatever it is that's causing us disease or, or some sort of immunocompromised state. We talked about it with the cardiovascular system, the body's ability to deliver oxygen-rich blood to the peripheral, as well as removing carbon dioxide rich blood from that peripheral and getting waste products removed, getting debris, getting things circulating at a higher level. Oxygen is really powerful, right? That we can cure a lot of ailments just by breathing. You know, and I'm not saying it's gonna be this panacea of sit down and meditate, get yourself parasympathetic, improve your body's anabolic response to everything you're doing by just meditating and journaling and breathing and sleeping 
but it's not going to hurt and it's definitely not going to be a limiting factor. But going into this idea of the immune system is just like those three other systems. And we need to have this appreciation that this yin and yang, this duality that we've talked about extensively through all of nutrition, it's just, it's fundamental. It's, it's this dynamic that if we have too much stress, we're going to not going to be able to respond to that stress over time. We have too much of one thing. We need balance. We need, we need to center the world. One of the areas that we can really lean in on is just the systems within the system, right? We can talk about, we talked about like this stress, but the stress is really just this manifestation of how our body is responding internally to the things that we're exposing it to, right? There's a big aspect of this that is profound and there's just some tremendous research of this and it's really centered off this idea of bacteria, you know? And I think that when we look at bacteria, you know, we have to have this perspective of, of bacteria is just bacteria, right? There's no good and bad. They're just bacteria, right? It's just what they're classified as, right? You know, there's, there's more bacteria in the world in our bodies than there are people. And the thing that is really needs to be impressed upon you guys is bacteria is probably the, the most important thing to consider when you're looking at immune function because it's bacteria and viruses that cause sickness and it's it's this ability to manage this at a high level is what either not prevents you from getting that virus but helps you manage that virus or the other aspect it's it's the limiting our world from certain bacteria, right the over sanitized, you know, over washing your hands, overusing, rubbing alcohol, um, limiting our ability to get into dirt and eat probiotic and prebiotic rich foods, etc., that causes these problems. But on the other end, it's when we start to over exercise and we start to become very stressed and we become in this like vulnerable state, we see changes in bacterial level and we see it and we see this disproportionate amount to you know what they now term as like bad bacteria and we limit good bacteria because that body is in this state of stress and you can get a actual um, uh, a bacteria test that you can get a fecal sample um, you can get that pretty readily now and you basically just get a fecal sample sending in and then you, know, you go from there but you know the diversity of your gut bacteria is perf- Profoundly important for you to be able to manage your immune system, you know, and we do have control over this, right? We do have, you know, this, this ability to interact with bacteria at a higher level by, again, managing stress, eating probiotic and prebiotic rich foods, and just hydrating and just doing things that are going to be beneficial for you. And I should note too, like things like chlorine and things like fluoride actually are are antibiotic and it can kill for, kill certain bacteria uh, maybe you should get a filtered water as well um, but aside from that you know we can go into this idea of probably the most rental the biggest lever we can pull is is going to be centered off of the amount of stress we we expose ourselves to you know and and the systems that we have to really focus in on you know are going to be our 
our digestive system, which is pretty much where you know we center majority of the things that we should do from a coach when we're trying to create more robust immune systems, right? Because we eat food all day, every day, especially if we're trying to build muscle. And that's going to be the majority of the the fighting uh, from the immunocompromised state. We have lymphatic system, which I, I, I think is going to be this, you know, okay, we really just go back to our cardiovascular system and looking at just fl- movement of fluid throughout the body. And then we have our detoxification system, right? How do we remove toxins? And again, you know, probably the simplest way to put that is going to be sleep is going to be your biggest able to handle this. But aside from that, starting off with the digestive system is 50% of it as stated by Dr. Laval, James Laval. And if you guys don't know who Dr. James Laval is, Cracking Metabolic Code, Blood Never Lies, amazing resource. Definitely dive into it. The module has a lot of stuff on him specifically. You know, but we, we can talk about this idea of 50% of the immune systems located within digestive tract, according to Dr. Laval. 50%, five zero. And it should make sense, right? This it's it's where we have the most exposure to the outside world from potentially toxins and bacteria, right? That our skin is a lot different from absorbing stuff than our digestive system. The digestive system is really impressive, right? We have we have digestive enzymes, we have mucus, we have hydrochloric acid, we have these things built into our digestion system to not only break down and assimilate proteins, carbs, and fats, but we have these other systems to protect it from blocking things that we don't want into the body, right? And the area that becomes so important about managing really that immune system is eating probiotic and prebiotic rich foods and managing stress. One of the areas that's so important about managing stress is this pepsin hydrochloric acid within the gut. It's a bit of the chicken or the egg, right? We need B12 and folate to create hydrochloric acid or pepsin and hydrochloric acid. We can't absorb B12 and folate unless we have hydrochloric acid and folate and 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 or and pepsin. And we start to lower this gastric juices in our gut or these acids in our gut. Start to develop things like GERD. We start to get leaky gut and we start to let in incompletely digested proteins like peptides into our system. And this creates autoimmunity. And one of the things that's so important about managing hydrochloric acid and pepsin in the gut is managing stress, right? We said it before that when we eat, our blood is shunted to our gut. When we're under stress, again, that's epinephrine, norepinephrine kicking up, adrenaline kicking up, and that's dispersing blood throughout the area away from our gut, and the body doesn't produce pepsin and then HL that we lose this this profound first line of defense slash system to break down protein specifically in our gut and we make ourselves vulnerable to the outside world. So things like bad bacteria start to accumulate. You know, H. pylori, pylori and incomplete digested proteins start to invade our 
systems and we start to create this autoimmunity to foods that we should be eating, right? And, you know, the I think there's going to be some folks out there that will probably take exception to this, but, you know, when it comes down to eating foods that are quote-unquote macrocentric, right, just eating certain foods without conscious of whether it's free-range, pasture-raised, wild-caught, organic, genetically modified or ungenetically modified, locally sourced, seasonal, that they're going to be like, oh, well, it's too hard. People don't make these decisions without this stuff anyway. But this is, the net is what? You know, the amount of people that eat this fit your macro diet that get sick is profound. And people tell, I actually got in a, a discussion with this with the coach. He's like, well, that's anecdotal. I'm like, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. We have the best meta-analysis of what eating processed, unlocally sourced, genetically modified, macro-based foods get you. They get you people who are sick constantly. They have the highest insurance premiums in the world. We have the most pharmaceuticals given out in the world. We have the best case study on what that food does to the human system than any other research in the entire history of humanity. That we have the longest meta-analysis going on what the profile is from high fructose corn syrup and and vegetable oils does to the human system. Obesity and sickness. Metabolic syndrome and people who have metabolic syndrome, whether it's a combination of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes, get sicker more often. Fact. Like, there's no doubt about that. That's unequivocally true. And there's a zero, there's zero debate on what the cause of that is. It's sedentary behavior. It's excess calories. And it's eating certain foods that the body is just not designed to be able to handle. High fructose corn syrup which causes a lot of problems and a lot of vegetable oils and trans fats. We can say that unequivocally, that's without debate, that that's the stem of the problem. Conspiracy theorists aside, that is the center of the problem. And when we start to look at eating foods without any association of quality, we start to see these manifestations of autoimmunity stem from the fact that we are eating lower quality foods. And I get it. Thermodynamics is absolutely unequivocally the first step you should do to figure out how to lose weight or gain weight. Controlling macronutrients based off a thermodynamic principle of caloric surplus or deficit is the next step. I don't disagree with that. But if you are going to the extent of counting calories and then counting macros, it is not that big of a step to go into why not get higher quality foods what's the diff at that point what's the difference why is it such a big leap that we're seeing people suck down protein bars and high fructose corn syrup because they're meeting their macro and calorie goal is asinine to me but we see this play out all the time all the time with with certain levels of training and this over association and myopic view of just get your calories and macros it doesn't matter right the the three rules of getting big are you don't have to be hungry to start you don't have to be you don't have to like it to continue and you don't have to be full to stop that that i feel like that's getting archaic and we need to get we need to evolve in what we're telling people and i'm not prescribing a diet i'm just saying if you have to eat three thousand calories 
you have to eat 200 grams of protein, 300 grams of carbs, and 100 grams of fat, whatever that math works out to. It should at least come from higher quality sources. Grass-fed, wild-caught, pasture-raised, organic, locally sourced, seasonal. Why not? What's the difference? Money? Come on. Come on. You're willing to make that much of a commitment to something, you're not willing to pay a little extra money for something locally sourced, seasonal. I think that's a I think that at a certain point, if you know the actual outcome is like if you don't if you get sick prematurely, then all of it was for not. You just wasted a bunch of money up to that point anyway. So you might as well take that next level. But again, as Dr. Lavolve said, 50% of our body's immune system is located in our digestive tract. That half of our immune, our immune system is within our control because we control what we eat. We control when we eat. We control how we eat. Do we chew enough? These are all profound level things to think about. But as we're starting to break down, you know, one of the things that we have direct control over is what we put in our bodies and how much of it we put in our bodies and when we put it in our bodies. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of the fact that we have control over 50% of our immune system and people who get sick all the time, we can prevent that. We can get them to a better body comp and we get them eating healthier foods that are prebiotic rich, probiotic rich, that are more robust with micronutrients like B vitamins, minerals. You know, these are the things that I I would tell you and I implore you to say is it's not only your responsibility, it is your mission to get out there and preach the gospel of eating healthier foods and being more conscientious of the folks that are willing to count calories and macros are going to be willing to eat more organic, locally sourced, seasonal foods. They will. You just have to tell them why it's important. Because it comes down to our immune system. 50% of our immune system is located within our gut, so you better feed it with things that are good and positive. Right? That eating foods attached from their macronutrient equivalent, like proteins are in nature are never, never without a fat. Animal proteins always come with fat. Fact. And we detach proteins from fat, there's a potential cost benefit relationship there, especially these proteins that are attached to fat, they increase gastric emptying. And hydrochloric acid doesn't break it down as much and we potentially release pepsin into the gut and we have low hydrochloric acid, we're gonna release more into the gut. So that's when we see people have whey allergies and casein allergies is because they're taking in these foods that are breaking down digesting, digestion-wise quickly and not allowing it to completely break down into amino acid form and assimilate into the body in that manner. Thing about fat that's really nice is it slows down gastric emptying and it can slow down that process of breaking down proteins in the actual stomach to get the full amino acid profile from it. We can assimilate more amino acids from that. Now, research is pretty clear. You shouldn't have a lot of fat post-workout because it slows down gastric emptying. But if you have an immunocompromised state, that point is kind of obsolete. So taking a consideration that if we're eating a very low quality protein, like a like a non-grass-fed whey, and to be honest, casein is probably the one that gets the, casein is probably the most allergenic and the most 
unnecessary protein. It's very slow digesting and it's not nearly as as potent from an amino acid quality standpoint as whey. I would just say throw that out. You don't need it. It's not going to help you. You're better off just getting some sort of lean protein from an animal source. But aside from that, when we look at the next level, it's the ability to to really manage this stuff over time that breaks down our body's immune system, right? And then the next half of this is that lymphatic system or the, the body's natural immune response, right? And, you know, there's there's a couple of, of things that I want to dive into. I don't want to get super technical on this, but um, if you really want to dive a little bit deeper into some tremendous resources, again, Dr. Laval is cracking the metabolic code, goes through how this manifests from a body composition and a health standpoint. But, you know, the, the other half of the immune system uh, would be lymph, thymus, blood, spleen, right? There's that blood thing again, right? Cardiovascular system. Lymphocytes are responsible for neutralizing antigens, include B cells from bone marrow, T cells from thymus, and then natural killer cells, aka NK cells. Lymphocytes are very are further classified into function of immunity they demonstrate, such as T cells are responsible for cell mediated immunity, and B cells are responsible for humoral immunity. Humoral immunity is this natural response to bacteria and viruses that, through formation of antibodies, bind to that antigen and respond and destroy them. So this creates cell cell mediated immunity, which utilizes enzymes to invade and kill pathogens. T cells include cytokines that secrete interference, which prevent viruses from replicating helper T cells, stimulate creation of B cell antibodies, and along with interleukin-2 and suppressor T cells to balance cytokines and T cells. This is all directly from cracking the metabolic code, right? I I definitely don't have that memorized, but your take home from that is having really good blood flow, right? And if we have a resting heart rate below 60, if we have an HRV above 50, we're probably moving blood pretty well. That we're probably not pooling blood, we're probably not overly overly sympathetic, we're probably moving things around our body in a good manner. So when we start to look at the next level is how do we detoxify this, we can actually get this lymph moving and we can get these waste products moving and we can get this overall system functioning a lot better. And and then it goes into the final aspect is the detoxification system. And when we look at the detoxification system, there's two big pathways. It's phase one, which is technically includes hydrolysis, which breaks down toxins into smaller parts. The first phase sets up the second phase. Pretty much the first phase is, uh, as I remember going back into um, biosig, but phase one, when we look at the liver, is going to be delivering toxins to the liver. And phase two is processing that to be removed from the liver, right? And in phase two, it involves binding the toxin to a methyl group, aka methylation, cysteine, glucuronic acid, all methylate with that with that toxin to make it water soluble to make you excreted through the urine, feces, sweat, or just in general breathing. And the idea is those three systems are all working in concert with the digestive system, pretty much our front line. We have our our lymphatic system or immune system within the body that's going to be able to create this natural immunity to these toxins. And then we have these detoxification system that's going to be able to take that toxin and remove it from the body, right? And 
key being exercise, management of stress, eating good foods from locally sourced organic seasonal are going to have a profound impact, a direct impact on our ability to stave off any potential adverse reaction to some sort of bacteria or virus that our body's not equipped to handle in that given moment. That we're, it's better to stay in shape than to than get in shape. This idea that we're constantly working and tinkering and moving into this direction of, are we net positive? Coming back down to that J curve that Madison was talking about in the beginning, it's if we're pro- progressing from a health perspective, we're going to be in a better spot from a lean muscle outcome. And if we can improve our body's lean muscle, we're probably in a good spot from an immune system standpoint. So manage that J curve is really all about looking at, okay, we don't want to be in the sedentary. We don't want to be in the super high exercise. We want to be somewhere in the middle. And that dose response or that hormesis effect is going to be predicated off our body's you know, three primary systems between the digestive system, immune system, and detoxification system's ability to handle said stress, said outside invader, trying to create this outcome that we don't want. Take all of that into consideration, making a net positive from a health perspective leads to these things that we can track and, and reference as positive outcomes. So unpack that one, get on the module, read crack of the metabolic code and there's plenty of other good resources that i will put in the links on the actual module on the website to help you understand this um you know take your time on this because i think this is something that i think is gonna create a lot of value for you but also to something that it's not as easy as we probably would like it to be and it's just going to take a lot of work and effort to be able to really understand unpack and process but the simple answer is we're putting on muscle if we're training without stoppage we're probably in a good spot immune system wise but don't take that for granted and then don't try to simplify that to a level that's it doesn't matter you know make that important and understand it and processes it to the highest level without making it overly complicated for the person you're trying to work with all right guys appreciate you guys and we'll see you guys next week